0: Welcome to the 15th episode of the Triple Takeover Toycast. My name is Sixo, but more on that later. A lot later. Flippin' it, lads, I think I'm going to have to pack this in, because if I keep talking this slowly, we'll all be applying for bus passes by the time we get to the end of the episode. So enough with the prolonged and ponderous monologuing, and let's get cracking, shall we? With me today are two extremely encouraging and enabling co-hosts, which I suppose is all you can wish for on a podcast about toys, after all. First up is the Nordic Transformers community's most famous, not to mention most handsome face, it's Maz from Transformers Square One. Oh... I'll take it this week. Hey. There you go. I thought I'd be nice to you this week.
1: I'll take it. We're already there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, indeed. And next we have a man who, from the looks of things, doesn't so much have a toy display that he does a major trip hazard. Get the risk (laughs) assessments out, folks. It's Liam from Toybox Soapbox.
1: (laughs) This this is why I'm not allowed children.
0: (laughs) Is that right? Nowhere for them to go, just on the pile of toys. That's it, because as we said earlier,
1: I am the Ayatollah of Crapola, so that's it. (laughs) You go,
0: absolutely. (laughs) Together we are Triple Takeover, and for once we're here to prove that we can talk about toys that aren't over three decades old, with the focus being firmly on the newest series in the Transformers franchise, How Bizarre, its kingdom. So, how are you both doing, lads? All right?
1: Yeah, really good, actually, thanks. I'm on brand, I've literally... And less than an hour ago had a kingdom toy delivered.
0: I noticed mate, yeah. I saw you you've been posting about it on the old uh, Twitter already. Yeah,
1: and it and it plays into the show because it's two characters who were not even in the show.
0: Which I'm sure we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah, there's some notable omissions in that cartoon. Are are you
2: sure there's there's not like a Netflix program about some gangster that you didn't get sidetracked watching instead of like doing your notes for this episode? (laughs) No. You're positive it's a kingdom toy that's been delivered, not some WWF wrestler figure?
1: (laughs) No, but... (laughs) But you wait till I tell you about that documentary about that female
0: boxer lady who got stabbed loads of times and shot and then got up. That's that's next episode, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. it's your topic next time. You can that, uh, That's a spin-off. <laughs> you can go for it. Yeah. What crap has Liam been watching on Netflix? <laughs> Which one's did you get delivered? Was it is Skywarp and Sideswipe, was it?
1: Yep. Skywarp and Sideswipe. Skywarp is a retool of Eraser, an incredible mold, and Sideswipe is a retool of himself. <laughs>
0: There you go. All right. Well, the, the long-awaited Earth Mode Sideswipe, I guess, which, uh, well, that's that's a whole other topic, isn't it?
1: And, and just to set a tease, Sideswipe has an Earth Mode unlike anything in the show.
0: Again, yeah, well, that's line, what I mean. So. Yeah, Yeah. indeed. Yeah. A yeah. oh, whole topic there. That's a whole avenue for discussion, isn't it? How about you, Maz? How are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm not too bad, thank you very much. I am still reeling from how much I got away with with that intro, and I'm just waiting for it to catch up with me later in the episode. But for now, I feel lucky.
0: No, no, mate. You know, we've got to be nice to you occasionally, after all. Do you know what I mean? Unless there's a pillow nearby or something. I don't know. There you know. go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you tempted fate, mate. You tempted fate.
1: When we were doing uh, our Patreon minister the other day, 6 0 says, out of nowhere, he says, Maz is right. And it took me a little while. It was ticking over in my head. And I was thinking, because like the subline, uh, sub tagline of this show is normally Maz's wrong opinions and i like and it's actually just popped into my head I'm like i can't believe we didn't pick you up on it then
0: what and um, me saying that maz was right I, you know even a stop clock and all of that <laughs> it's frozen in
2: iceland that's what the patrons pay for for my correct opinions
0: is that the is that the avenue for you to be correct then behind the paywall yeah open free access just gets the wrong ones yeah Right, right. I'm sure I'm
2: full of them tonight
0: on this topic, right? (laughs) Yeah, indeed. So, well, speaking of the topic at hand, I mean, before we get there, I should mention that, of course, this uh, episode is sponsored by the wonderful TF Source. Uh, So we'll do a little bit of a, a, you know, thing about them in the middle of the episode. But uh, once again, they've very kindly uh, sponsored the pod, and we're very grateful for it as well. So do have a look at uh, TFSource.com for all your Transformers needs, unofficial and third party. So do check that out, and uh, they've got plenty of Kingdom toys in stock as well so Liam maybe you'll be uh, taking advantage of that later who's to say you probably got more already right
1: depends on how much of this beer i get through
0: <laughs> yeah exactly well maybe you'll have uh, enabled yourself on a few by the the end of the yeah. episode who's to say why not Right, so, Kingdom. Just been on uh, on the old telly, hasn't it? So, in the old uh, Netflix. Uh, everybody watched it, I assume? Yeah, I have. Maz, you made a bit of a concerted effort, really, didn't you? Because you weren't necessarily going to tune in. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, I think it went something like, uh, I'm not interested, lads, I'm not going to watch it. And then, what was it, like three hours later, four in the morning, I was like, okay, I've watched it.
0: I know. <laughs> it's a like, classic of Mazda's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Was. It's when you just suddenly sent a message saying, okay, I've watched it. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. what, what, when? When did you do that? Just in one sitting, presumably. Instead of sleeping, yeah. So, I mean, well, firstly, did you watch it on 1.25 speed or whatever the recommendation typically is? For, <laughs> have you seen that? <laughs> I wish I'd known that earlier. Or in Japanese. Yeah, I'm actually not, I'm not going to lie. I did try the old 1.25 speed. I, I heard that as a joke and I did try it. And actually it does work. I'm not even like, that's not even me being facetious or like having a dig at the the pace of the show or anything. It's actually a fairly... You know, brisk but decent pace if you do just notch it up a little bit like that. It kind of works. Because, you know, I know I was taking the mickey out of it at the start there, but it is a little bit pondering at times, it's fair to say. Uh, although I'm going to come right out and say it just to make sure that, you know, kind of setting the tone and all of that, that this isn't going to be, uh, I hope anyway, a complete, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A roasting uh, of kingdom. The, the aim is not to just sit and give it a kicking, uh, but just, you know, really kind of appraise what's going on in the, the wonderful world of transformers right now. Uh, and for my part, I actually, kind of ended up enjoying some bits of it if i'm if i'm being honest like not everything not everything worked for me but the what, i thought there was some good stuff in there i preferred it of all three of the parts of wfc war for cybertron i think it was the best
1: by far the first two parts you know what i'm like I, t- I tend to find the positive in almost all these things and yeah. even i will say siege and Earthrise were awful and i really disliked them but kingdom it's definitely the best one of the three. That's yeah. that's, that's one of the positives, but it's, it's it's got a coherent story. That's how, you know, not to spoil the episode already, but it does a lot of things right that the other ones don't. And yeah. even though a lot of the same problems still show up throughout, it's lessened by having a story that makes sense.
0: I kind of agree. I suppose it is worth saying at this stage that, yes, spoilers for Kingdom and the whole of War for Cybertron. <laughs> if indeed you've yeah. not actually watched the shows and you are worried about spoilers, then why are you listening to a podcast on it, I guess? But, uh, yeah, we will be uh, revealing a few plot points along the way, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, Lim, I completely agree with you. I think the fact that... I mean, for me, Earthrise especially, just kind of thinking of the trilogy as a whole, Siege, I think, had the kind of novelty factor to it that at least it was new, you know, so that there was stuff that... You know, maybe you could kind of see it, that it was a problem, but at least it was still new, so it was only six episodes, you know, it was a bit of a slog at times, but Earthrise, for me, I'll be honest, I found it almost to the point of unwatchable. I've honestly yeah. tuned out of various bits of it, just because it was so slow and pondering and just kind of nonsensical, and just things happening where you're like, why? Why is that? What What does that relate to? Um And, and there were some bits of Kingdom that I thought actually, uh, in, if anything, kind of didn't um necessarily do justice to earthrise but maybe we'll touch on that later but i will say for kingdom just as a separate entity uh, i thought yeah i thought the storyline was all right actually and kind of propelled it forward a little bit
1: it's funny as well because when you watch it it doesn't feel like you actually need to know what happened because the yeah. only thing that's relevant at all is the allspark and they must tell you that story 14,000 times throughout the you know throughout the show anyway so all the other yeah. stuff like when like it sounds extreme what you're saying about uh, earthrise but it was that bad. There's so much of it, like even stuff like it being called Earthrise, but they don't get Earth modes or anything, even though the toy line yeah. is based around them all loving Earth modes. And, but then Skylinks turns up magically in a more accurate space shuttle than his toy because it's even got the heat shield and stuff. So all this extra detailing. It's really just, there's just so much of that in Earthrise and Siege where you're watching it going, why are they doing this? Why are they talking yeah. so slowly? What is you're
2: happening? You were just saying, um, not needing to have watched the others, and and of course I haven't watched the other two. Uh, I was initially a little bit confused about Galatron's role in things, and um, I didn't know whether I was watching people having hallucinations or whether they were flashbacks. I couldn't tell that initially, and I felt like having missed the Dead Universe stuff, uh, that was a bit lost on me as well. But obviously they they explained it, you know, we travelled through the Dead Universe back in time or something like that, and it just seemed to be a little bit of a MacGuffin that helped solve the questions I had in in the episodes but it wasn't a barrier to enjoyment it probably acted the opposite for me whereas because I saw the trailers for Kingdom and uh, I think I had to say it very quietly I actually quite thought it looked really good Mm. and maybe that's just because I had just finished watching some Beast Wars episodes as well for our Beast Wars uh, podcast episode. So that kind of played into it nicely. I thought, okay, well, you know, I quite like the idea of seeing the Beast Wars cast next to yeah, same the, same, the WFC cast. So what it's left me with is actually thinking, okay, so there are story elements that I didn't have any background for. So maybe I'll go back and watch uh, the other two. But obviously, Don't do it. yeah, that's the thing. It's like one of those where I read a good comic and I realize that there were things I, I, I have gaps in my knowledge of the backstory and uh, cuz everyone's reading the cool comic the good one and then i go back and read everything that led up to it and it's just nowhere near as good and you're just sort of ticking off things that happened in the past whereas you should just stick with that amount of knowledge that the good series gave you so maybe that's just you know it's it's given me a thirst for watching transformers cartoons again and it always happens whenever i don't yeah. watch transformers media for ages and then i start watching something i actually remember Man, I really love watching Transformers cartoons. Like, I really love yeah. it, whatever it is.
1: That sense really comes through in this one, I think.
2: I think so. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I was willing to stay up later and later. I could quite easily have watched the rest of the episodes on another day, but I just felt like watching it all in one go. So that was, it was a positive thing for me, honestly.
0: Yeah, I, I think so much of that rings true for me. Uh, I think that um, you, you're right, Liam, actually, what you were saying about stuff like the, actually the two things I thought didn't work so well in Kingdom was, and it's all the stuff from previous parts, was the Dead Universe and the AllSpark. And that, that for me, were two of the kind of weaker elements, if you like. The Dead Universe doesn't really factor in all that much, but even then, when they're trying to get back to Cybertron and they're, like, going through the Dead Universe or whatever, I was a bit like... I just, I, there would have been a simpler way to do all of this. Really, do you know what I mean? The, to get them from point A to B, it's kind of a bit, as you said, a bit of a MacGuffin.
1: It felt like they had to. It felt like they were forcing right. themselves to do it because they kept talking about it. Because in in Earthrise, it's one episode, isn't it? the are dead, yeah. You know, and like you're saying, there about. You felt like you'd miss something with Galvatron. Is it's almost blinking? You miss it, isn't it? In that episode. it is. He's, literally uh, very few scenes and he's probably got more to do in this show and he's not even in this one
0: that much but he's definitely got more to do in this one for sure um, and and he's a lot more kind of present in this one um, and th- that's true of a number of things I think the thing with the Allspark was that I found that episode in Kingdom that really focused on the Allspark. You know, it's got Ultra Magnus in it and all of that. That, for me, was the worst one by far because I just felt that it suddenly like lagged. You know, it was like, actually, it was moving at a fairly brisk pace, particularly the first kind of three uh, three episodes or so. And then it was like you suddenly get this lull where it goes all kind of mis- mystical, kind yeah. of mumbo-jumbo. And, you know, I was really thinking long and hard about this, about what my problem with it was because it's not that it's mysticism because, actually, I think we've had... It, you know, very, very excellently done examples of mysticism in Transformers before that have worked well. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the G1 comic, for example, and that's got tons of mysticism in it. But I just felt that this was really, I don't know, like unearned somehow. It kind of like, how does the Allspark work really? Like, how does it tie into everything? It's not really, it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it just smacks of being like a bit convenient. Like, and then obviously the fact that, you know, all the dead uh, characters turn up at the end and just make the baddies disappear. It's like, that felt like a bit of a contrivance to me. I just kind of, that didn't feel like the kind of ultimate peak of the storyline, if you like.
1: Definitely, the mysticism stuff, I know exactly what you mean, because when you say it feels unearned, that's exactly right, because even though they're talking about the Allspark, the only time it seems to feature is when it needs to do something. So when it has to act as the point of agency or something in the plot, and it's of like it can do something, but it's never defined in any ways. It doesn't have like... Any clear set of rules that you can look at it and go, it can do this, it has this power. It's just catch-all. It gives life to everything. What does that mean? Does it give bring people back? Does it do stuff? And it's like, no, it just gives life to everything. Everything's built on it. And then that episode, like you say, I I felt the system thing as well. It that one feels like it stops the plot dead because you go from Optimus Prime jogging around the Stranger Things wood like that, and then the next minute you've got twenty minutes of him struggling to get through a door, and that's basically all that plot is of him arguing with a ghost outside a door. And well, that's it. About mysticism, and you're like, oh, it, I don't know, you feel like anything that's been built up, all the momentum's at least stopped there. Without any real explanation, it doesn't feel like there's a dramatic point that it's built to like, where you're like, wow, this is important for these characters.
2: Do you think that's, um, that comes from lots of well-known and celebrated science fiction stories and series where when the story does start getting to the business end of things, there are occasions where the main protagonist uh, suddenly, has this sort of either a vision or it goes into their head, or has to deal with demons of the past, and it gets done in like a, in a sci-fi way where you know they seem to be in this ethereal space uh, or this kind of another plane of existence, and then something needs to be solved before it goes forward. And then they've just adopted that because all the sci-fi that the writers and the, you know the fans have grown up with ha- has always had that sort of element. I was thinking of things like Babylon Five or, or Star Trek or, you know, th- that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think there's the this very part. I mean, I think you're absolutely on the money. I think there's a lot of that, isn't there? That kind of internal struggle. And to be fair, that that representation of Optimus doesn't not work for me. I mean, again, thinking back to the G one comic especially, that's very uh reminiscent of that version of Prime actually, kind of being stuck in his head, um, you know, and, and really kind of you know, doubting himself and and whatever else. I I don't know. There was just something about the way that this episode was written in particular that just felt like, as you said, Liam, it just kind of stopped the overall plot dead, uh, really, you know, and kind of dumped a load of the characters on the sideline uh, and just kind of, you know, spent too much time spinning its wheels almost.
1: It's it's funny because if you sort of step back from it, like I was saying about it's an episode about Optimus trying to get through a door, but then when you go to the other characters, it's Optimus Primal walking in circles around, knocking on the wall, and you like you take these little bits, and this is basically all that's happening whilst the mystical Mumbo Mumbo Jumbo's going on. But like, if you uh, jumping ahead, but if you go to the bit where it's sort of explained the Allspark tells Optimus that he has to just give up and, you know, hand it over, you're like, there's nothing throughout the show, there's no like struggle within Optimus where he's going through, where it builds up to this, where it's like a a moment where you go, yes. This makes sense. This is built. You see him. He's learned something. It's just literally like he's been told to do something. So he does it. And yeah. Like, oh, and, but it is. And that's what, what we're saying about the mystical mumbo jumbo is it feels very much like the all spark is just there to deliver these, do this, do that. It's the thing that moves stuff without building throughout the show. If that makes sense. I think it's no, it does. No, nothing
2: in the previous two shows that sort of supported that, that looked like a long running thread. You felt like that just popped into the third series.
0: Well, the thread really is that Optimus removes the All Spark from Cybertron at the start, you know, in the first series, and that you know, kinda of condemns Cybertron to the fate that you see at the end of Kingdom. But I dunno, I don't know how I don't know how well that kind of necessarily ties together. Do you know what I mean? And and realistically it should have been about him getting back to Cybertron. And I almost feel like if they'd have got back to Cybertron sooner and spent more time on Cybertron, it would have made the finale a little bit less rushed as well do you know what I mean and and had a bit more time to kind of I actually enjoyed the finale as a whole but I I do feel like they kind of you know they had a lot to get through in that last episode that's so
2: funny I I actually thought that the whole thing went on for one episode too long like Mm -hmm. when they went through the portal I thought that was the end of the series and I thought that's a great cliffhanger and I would have been super satisfied if that was it but then yeah. there's the den universe and then they crash. It's almost like they're back to square one and everything that's been built up is at zero. And it yeah. felt like a really unnatural forced trough in the emotional roller coaster of the whole thing right. i just felt like it should have ended one episode early and then pick up maybe in the next show or something like that but definitely that's, felt that's like interesting. this is continuing yeah. you know that felt weird
1: it does feel like that episode that last episode doesn't need to be there because as soon as they go through the portal well, portal or whatever it is that takes them back to Cybertron, and Star- starscream is saying like no no it feels like stop there and then it leads into the next series absolutely
2: that would have been a perfect ending for me i
0: think yeah i could see that
1: that last episode feels like the first episode of a new series because there's yeah. only like jumped in there and then Galvatron and Nemesis Prime turn up who you've barely seen at any point they've you know I think they appeared in the previous episode didn't they oh no it's that episode isn't it Galvatron pops back. Like, he's mostly just in Megatron's head mm-hmm. but like yeah there you're like oh suddenly these characters have come in and there's all the thick struggles that like Elita 1 and Jetfire go through in season one and two
0: and then taken off the board. I was just going to say that was my that was my number one kind of biggest problem with that was the, the you know discovering I mean we kind of knew that Alita One was dead from the end of Earthrise anyway you see basically at the end of Earthrise as you see, him, uh, see her in a big explosion like the whole of shockwaves lab blows up and I guess you could say oh it was obvious that she's dead because you know she's tied to a, a table or whatever how how would she have got out of there but it's never 100% confirmed and I guess the really kind of mad thing about revealing that, yes, okay, she is actually dead, is that it implies, anyway, that all of the other characters in that scene are also dead. And so, therefore, what was the point of all of the storyline in Earthrise set on Cybertron? It's just completely meaningless. The
1: passage of time is really short as well, comparatively. There's nothing to say. Even though the show is, uh, the toy line is about time and space jumping about, and the Beast Wars cast, they've gone back in time to this time. So they've literally only left and gone to Earth, and it must be a matter of, you could say, months. But again, like you see Jetfire and you just feel sad for him because it's like he's avoided Earth this time, but the snow still come for him into space. It's like, you know, final destination is always destined to be killed by snow somewhere because that's, that's what Cybertron (laughs) is suddenly like covered
0: in snow. I hadn't thought of it that way. Honestly, that's (laughs) what a reading, man. God final destination jet fire there you that's go it. It the across the you. cosmos <laughs> that's his trope now is it is forever destined to be uh, killed in the snow
1: that's what they, uh, the idw comic will just be him hearing a voice saying you had better pay up to mr frosty
0: Jetfire." <laughs> that's it <laughs> why doesn't liam write these cartoons honestly like they'd be so entertaining pay me netflix pay me them
1: netflix books <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but no i do think you're right i think the fact that you know elita is just found in the snow like that i i I didn't like that much i must admit i didn't care for it and i also didn't really um just because it it really did kind of annihilate the storyline from Earthrise for me what there was um like it really didn't feel like like there was any point to to the stuff that you'd then seen set on cybertron you know like everything they were trying to do uh because you just know that at the end of they all get they all get killed so and and i'm not saying that there isn't still a benefit to watching something that ends you know in a tragedy but yeah. it, it literally has no impact does it on the overall storyline from what i can tell then everything no, that they do that's
1: it like when you see it you're like oh initially you're like oh it's for shock value you're like oh it's this it's gonna do something to optimus but it doesn't he just kind of like he's upset for like 30 seconds then drives on and he's not he doesn't seem like he's driven by elite one's death at all it doesn't seem to play in until she comes back as a ghost and as a chat that's about
0: it yeah in a funny way though i, I you know i was i I, I kind of feel like it It was a bit of an awkward one anyway, the whole kind of like women in refrigerators trope, you know, of, yeah. of like, uh, you know, that whole thing of, uh, if you've not seen it, of like Green Lantern being motivated because his girlfriend was killed and stuffed in a fridge. Uh, and it's a it's classic kind of, issue, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's um it's become a bit of a classic trope, hasn't it, for male characters being motivated by the death of their... You know, girlfriend or or what have you and it did kind of feel a little bit like that's what they were trying to do here and and you know I mean she's literally not so much in a fridge but in the snow at least so yeah. it's kind of I don't know it's just a bit on the nose for my liking but um, it, it was a shame I don't know it wouldn't well, that bit didn't really work for me I've got to say
1: yeah there's, but there's so much of that in this like like we were saying there where stuff feels unearned and it's like that where these things happen but they don't feel like they motivate the characters at the same time like, because, like I was saying, there from Optimus just kind of just goes on, and he he talks about it, but you don't feel like he's really driven by the death of all these all of his friends. That you know, because he sees Elite One, and surely he then sees the ghosts of Jetfire and whoever Ultra Magnus and people like that. And
2: Liam, it's because he has to get to the building.
1: <laughs> the building.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what's happening on Earth, isn't it? Like he has to get to the building, which where the Allspark is in, and then on Cybertron he has to get to the building. Where the Spark is there as well.
1: It's basically like he's playing King of the Hill on Halo, isn't it? He's just got to get there and <laughs> take control. But, but there's a, there's so much of that. Like you see the ghosts and stuff, all these characters, and like Ultra Magnus keeps coming up, but you never feel like he's genuinely really affected by that. I just never never an impression I get from these characters. They just seem to. And I know it's a cartoon, but it it's really weird because they keep bringing up Ultra Magnus or Elite One and stuff like that. Like when he sees Elite One as a ghost or as the Spark, because it keeps manifesting even though it doesn't seem to know he's Optimus Prime, but it chooses things that only Optimus Prime would know.
0: Yeah.
2: Do they not feature in the previous series? Because obviously seeing all these ghosts in Kingdom made me think that, okay, well I've missed their deaths then, so I, I've missed the their storylines and, and how that ended, and seeing Jetfire as well. So did they not feature in the previous series to any significant degree then?
1: Oh no, they did. They were quite big characters. That's why it's really okay. weird that they, they have, like the first two series they keep going, well the first series they're all together, the second series it keeps going between Cybertron, doesn't it, and the art yeah. crew, there are elite One, Red Alert, uh, Jetfire and co are doing other stuff on Cybertron. And that's why it's really weird that in season three, you don't, you never come back to this because you never feel like their plot line is resolved in any way, anything they were doing.
0: Well, it's not. Yeah. As I say, it's kind of like you, you literally half of Earthrise, as Liam says, is set on Cybertron. And so all of that stuff that happens on Cybertron ends in an explosion and then you find out that they're dead in, in the end of Kingdom. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, OK, cool um so yeah just a bit of a weird one so but i uh, yeah i kind of i do see your point about the last episode feeling like a different show um Mm. it was almost like they just had so much to wrap up from the rest of the trilogy um that they they really kind of i don't know kind of rushed through it a little bit i guess uh which is a bit of a shame because actually i thought there were some really cool ideas in there i did like the stuff with Galvatron, actually, if some of the stuff I liked, and I suppose this is probably one of them, more in theory than in terms of actual execution. So, like, I I did like the kind of foreboding uh, nature that, of Megatron finding out his future. I thought that that kind of theme of that really worked for me. I really loved that whole notion of like he was born. Uh, you know, kind of into, to servitude or what have you, then rose up out of it. And now he's going to go back and be a slave in his future. Uh, and that whole kind of, you know, sort of that fear of you could sort of sense that that wasn't what he wanted and that kind of dilemma, I suppose, for Megatron. I thought that kind of worked quite nicely in the final episode and actually kind of made sense for me as a reason for him to kind of join the forces with the Autobots and the the Maximals and everything.
1: I like the way he had that realisation and then was shot off a cliff straight away. That made me laugh when I rewatched it again. You know, you know, he's sitting like, no, I'm taking control of my destiny. Then just like, he was flying off that's, the cliff. That's <laughs> like, true, actually. This moment. But that thing, it really came through on a second viewing, actually. I was going to mention that. It's Megatron, he just, it feels like he's a prisoner of his own destiny. And that feels like what the, his real story is throughout. Like He really yes. does feel like he's just tormented by being something he doesn't want to be but at the same time he is something he doesn't want to be because he keeps you know he sees himself as the freer of cybertron and stuff like that and when i think he's slowly realizing that he's not that and then he sees what he's going to become as a slave anyway
0: it then the doesn't justify the end doesn't justify the means to him I suppose, in the end yeah exactly I, I i actually think that on the whole even you know taking it across the three the three shows, I really feel like Megatron was actually a character that worked very well on the whole. And I feel like it was a really successful portrayal of, uh, you know, classic G1 Megatron, if you like, under a kind of new light. They took some inspiration, I think, from the comic, as I say, the G1 comic, in some ways, the kind of whole kind of gladiatorial aspect and all of that in his backstory. Um, But I, I really feel like they made him not sympathetic in any way, but they made him a little bit more three-dimensional almost, not just... It didn't feel like he was doing this just for the hell of it, you know? Like, it felt like there was a kind of reason to his mission almost, which is something that you don't get in every Transformers uh, cartoon, it's fair to say.
1: Exactly. And then you had, like, the Matrix was making him more and more crazy as well, and I quite like that little bit. So it reminded me a lot of um, Thunderwing in the Marvel comics, you know, where he was just going yeah. mad with the Matrix. but well, there was a lot of that, but it was quite subtly done for this where you didn't pick up on it at first, and it came to the floor later, but I like the way it was amplifying his, like, almost like a not like a drug addict as such, but it was he couldn't stop, he always wanted more and, mm. you know, and so that manifests as how he's trying to free Cybertron and the steps he was taking, like, melting down his own mates to make a spaceship, because he always wanted more, he always had to go further and further, and then I noticed the, with the Matrix was making him do that as well, he was always like no, I need more, and then he's going back and reading more of time, even though he's been told it could screw up the future and stuff and it just feels like it's just amplifying all those effects or personality yeah. Change,
0: so say. Yeah, no, definitely. The Transformers will return after these messages. So it's time for that bit of the episode where we talk a little bit about our sponsor which is tfsource.com and uh, as ever we're going to take a, a little look at their site and see what they've got going on at the moment because if you've never been to TFSource they've got all kinds of transformers toys i mean have they got you covered they've got third party stuff they've got some vintage items as well uh they've got all of the kind of new stuff from like three zero and exciting things like that uh, loads of kingdom toys and wfc toys and some weird and wonderful stuff on on there as well i'm looking on there at the moment liam in particular at that toilet bots set didn't know if that might be your kind of thing <laughs>
1: I, I was waiting. He's getting like, tagged
0: on Twitter now with any no the remotely toilet-related toilet <laughs>
2: products.
0: <laughs> oh, Liam, check this out. I'm so happy. I'm
1: changing my username to Toilet box. So much. Toilet <laughs> box. I'm, I'm becoming a toilet guy. Bog box. I, like, I can't even remember how it started. <laughs> But uh yes, I've seen those third-party toilets. I have no inclination to buy them. People, you
2: can't remember how it started. It was you saying, "Oh, I thought I'd, I've been looking for a toilet from Masters yeah. of the Universe." Wait, 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 why would Masters of the Universe?
1: Oh, have a toilet? the, the Ghostbusters toilet, wasn't it? If it, was <laughs> That's it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the right.
0: Jurassic Park needs <laughs> old toy bog soap bog.
1: What's happened once a week now that somebody tags me in? Oh, Leo, have you seen this transforming Ooh. toilet or this other toilet toilet? I'm like, It was a model kit the other week, like really accurate toilet model kit. <laughs>
0: Well, drawing you back to the sponsor segment, there is oh, yeah. a set of toilet bots on the front page of TF Source there. They're doing the rounds at the moment. I keep getting tagged uh, on on social media and people tagging me in the, those toilet bots, and I'm like, I ain't buying them. Welcome to my world. Do you know <laughs> like, but, you know, it's fun for people that might want them. They're, they are there. Uh, anything else that's taking you fancy at the moment? I've got my eye on that um, new X trans bots uh, Saurus. I think that looks pretty amazing. They've got a pre-order up for that at the moment on TF Source.
2: I think uh, for me, and it was unexpected and annoying, is the... um I don't know if they've actually put a pre-order on, but looking at the front page, I'm seeing like a couple of Diaclone items, and then obviously we've just oh, yeah. had that powered convoy reveal today, and I was like, I, I don't want to go there, but it looks amazing. So,
1: the second I yeah. saw it on Twitter, had to oh, tag sorry. you in it, I knew. Yeah, 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 I, knew.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just great, isn't it? It looks amazing. And also, I never got a chance to have a go with uh, the battle convoy, GMAX and you know that just looks fantastic and that with the powered convoy gear is just I, I would normally be all over that
0: i'm actually sat here with the battle convoy by my foot waiting to review it believe it or not from tf source so there you go
2: but i think i mentioned it last time but i think um it's the fans hobby meg Tyranno, the armada megatron yeah. that's uh every time they post a video of that I'm, I'm more into it and especially that really satisfying one where you could press down the button and push his shoulder treads in. I've watched that one repeat. (laughs) Yeah, that looks cool. That's that's something that catches my eye on the page as well.
0: Uh, interesting I noticed they've got um, Scorponok up again for uh, old Earthrise Scorponok for, uh, in stock they've got him back in stock so that's a possibility so he's not
2: still down that hole where he was supposed to transform
1: yeah it's not the last of the Scorponoks so. <laughs>
0: then yeah but yeah he's he's back in stock on TF Source
1: <laughs> I'm quite looking forward to Kingdom Pipe on topic uh, that, that yeah, toy yeah, looked really yeah, good Yeah, of
0: course yeah and is it yeah. Kingdom Pipes or Puffer isn't it
1: like a Puffer no, there's a Puffer as well they've got both there's a Kingdom Pipes and yeah, he only comes with one of his pipes so maybe he's just Pipe
0: Mm. <laughs> there you go,
1: pipe.
2: Uh, well, can you um, can you insert like a, a fossilizer bone in the other one? <laughs> it's, it's bone pipe, <laughs> so it pipe and pipe and bone, yeah.
1: <laughs> pipe and bone, <laughs> pipe and bone man. He's <laughs> carried a little wagon behind him, <laughs> yes. <and> pulling it. a step toe and son. <laughs> Sorry, everyone.
0: Anyway, <laughs> yes, exactly. This has been our sponsor segment for, for the podcast. There you go. <laughs> Very professional. But after that, you've really got to go and visit tfsource.com, right? If only out of yeah. pity because they've, uh, they're have they sponsoring us, Burks. you know what I mean? Talking about pipe and bone or whatever. <laughs> go and check them out. Tfsource.com. They're pretty good. I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> We now return to the Transformers. Uh, Let's come on to the Beast Wars cast, because I think that's probably one of the the kind of really interesting aspects of this show. Uh, And like you, Maz, it was one of the aspects that I was most excited to see, because I really just... I don't know, more than anything, was just super keen to see some of the old favourites in new animation. I just thought, this has got to be fascinating, right? Like, there Mm -hmm. was a part of me that was slightly dreading it, like, please... Just be good, you know, <laughs> please don't mm. cock it up um, and actually, I think they did they did all right with it on the whole. There was a, a couple of you know, a couple of eyebrows raised along the way, which i'm sure we'll talk about, but i don't know what
2: what were your thoughts on those guys? I liked it, I really did i th- it was um kind of made me realize how having had no attachment to Beast Wars previously and then having watched the show and doing the episode um how much I actually cared about the cast and how nice it was to see them there at the same time as the WFC cast especially like um Airazor and Tigatron who yeah. from where I saw up to Beast Wars looked like they had been killed and they weren't in the story anymore so that was nice it was almost like seeing friends again in, in some, some fashion but uh, I thought they were really well handled and I think I probably preferred them to the WFC cast with the exception of a couple of characters who I thought came across really well and I didn't I wasn't as offended by the VO as I know some people were. Uh sorry, the VA yeah, the, the voice acting the VA. Um uh, yeah. because I knew it wouldn't be the same cast. I I went into that fully aware that it wasn't going to be the same cast. So it was just an interesting, different take. And I, I really didn't hate Beast Wars Megatron at all in the series. I, I quite enjoyed how absolutely powerful he seemed. You know, I quite enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh and I really liked um yeah, I th- no, I was happy with it. I, I genuinely was. I think actually my favorite character in the entire series was probably Airazor. I think, yeah, um, she I think was her character model was utterly gorgeous as well. I think that was the one I felt most inspired to go and buy a toy of. Uh, so it's a nice toy I, I really, as well. It looks great. I mean, her, her character model was, was stunning. And I really liked her 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 role in the entire series. was was really nice big plus for me that was
0: yeah i i totally agree with you i think when i was doing a little kind of you know mental rundown of it she was the one character i thought wow you know they've really kind of done something with her and made her kind of front and center which is funny because actually in the original cartoon um i'm not saying she was um in the background so much but she definitely wasn't front and center in beast Mm. wars where she she was kind of you know a bit off to the side or whatever so it's great that actually they did kind of put her a, a little bit more at the forefront of it in this one i think uh, yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think, uh, some, some characters I thought looked better in the animation than others, and I thought she was one that looked fantastic. I just thought the design, everything, uh, and it is a really nice toy, so, uh, as well, so that helps. That's one I'm happy to pick up. Uh, Megatron is an interesting one, because I gotta say, I, I struggle with it a little bit, and we're not gonna, not gonna lie. The, the voice acting on him didn't work for me. Um, I didn't hate it, I'm not like, you know, some people have been, as you said, really offended by it, I I kind of, I have an interesting relationship with some of the voice acting, because like you said, I knew it was going to be new voice actors, I knew it was going to be different to the mainframe show, and I was fine with that. So actually, something like Dinobot, I really liked, because it sounded nothing like Classic Dinobot, you know, mm-hmm. it sounded nothing like Scott McNeil, um, you know, in this kind of raspy, uh, you know, thing that you get from the nineties show. Uh, and I liked that it sounded completely different. I had a few people saying that they should have swapped the voices of Tigertron and Dinobot, and I was cool with it as it was. To be honest, I didn't, it didn't bother yeah. me at all.
1: I thought Dinobot had one of the best voices in the entire yeah. show ever. Absolutely excellent. Like I like it more than the original Dinobot because it right his the guy the voice actor to doing that was just excellent. Like everything sounded really good
0: yeah i would i would totally agree i think he nailed his lines he had the right level of uh, kind of sadness to him but also kind of empathy as well uh but toughness you know i I just thought it was great really really good and and again i liked it because i thought actually the character of dinobot erred quite a bit from um from the original portrayal as well which is interesting because they even took some of the lines of dialogue from the 90s show Mm-hmm. But still, the character felt quite different. You know, he didn't feel like a rip-off of what we'd already seen. Um, His death scene had a few um, classic lines, didn't it? Or oh yeah. Oh, very that? much so. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, they they lifted some. They actually took lines of dialogue. You know, the, some of the directly out. The whole thing about you know it being ironic because he's got no choice at all and all that was just directly lifted from mm-hmm. uh, the original script. Um, and I don't mind them doing that. I kind of like the homage of it and i thought that actually on the whole the death scene was quite well handled um and and worked um i think it's one of those where it's probably best to not compare it too much uh, mm-hmm. as much as it is a homage uh it's probably best to just take it on its own value because nothing is going to top code of hero realistically from the original mm-hmm. show um but i still thought it was good i, I don't think it's in the same it's not going to go down in the same league as Co- as code of hero but it still doesn't Make it bad if that makes sense. It still did a good yeah. what it needed to do.
1: It is quite weird. There is something there that's weird. It's like you're saying about him dying and stuff. It was quite well done, but the scene immediately before it, when he runs off with the matrix, when you see him, he's sprinting away and he looks fine. But the camera hits literally the very next like transition is he's limping and on death's door, as if loads of times passed. And this is a, a strange thing that happens earlier as well when Starscream lobs him off the cliff and you see him falling. And in the very next scene, it cuts to him, and he's just walking through the Stranger Things forest again, or Misty and whatever, and he's just looking around like everything's normal. There's this weird... This is one of the things I was trying to pick up on earlier. There's this weird disconnect sometimes from the way it moves from scene to scene, because if you watch that scene with Dino, but again, when he takes the Matrix, he's bit his arm off, obviously, but you see the way he moves. He looks fine, and... Healthy. It he just, and he runs off, but it's literally the next one. He's like on death's door. It's really strange. Also, mm. fantastic Jurassic Park reference in there, by the way, with the way the me- Megatron as a T Rex comes out of shell yep. yep, yep, yep. and picks up the velociraptor that. and shakes it around. Yep. I was there in my head going, dun, 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 all of that. It fanta- <laughs> and it just holds him. I was like, it's so perfect.
2: That yeah, was cool. Did you get the feeling throughout the show that this was a fan produced thing? Did you get the feeling that this was very heavily in? Inter- you know, like some of the people who were the writing staff, and uh, they had a very big influence on doing callbacks, and it kind of unfolded the way you expect it to unfold. If fans were writing, and that's no, uh, that's no comment on the quality, but just rather the content and and how it was pitched, and and like you say, the references to, to certain things and the specific lines from iconic characters that were recycled in the show.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's so many references, but. The way they're put together feels like somebody's got a show and they've gone, This is my moment to get everything I've ever loved about Transformers into one show. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it's because the way it goes through things, there's so many references, and you can t- tell that people working on it love Transformers, even if there's a lot of things you don't like or a lot of things you disagree with. There is, there's just so much in there that it's really obvious that they are fans.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think it's very, it's very obvious. And in fact, some of them definitely are. Like there's been, um, you know, a couple of them on. Twitter and things like that and kind of talking about it and there's you know definitely some references um in there I mean I think that shines through as we said with stuff like Dinobot's death scene um in there and there's lots of G1 references in there as well um I don't know for me it worked like I think a lot of the nods to the past uh were pretty good actually I don't think they were too ham-fisted um there was maybe a bit too much of it at times but I thought they strung it together in a fairly kind of coherent story so I didn't really mind it too much.
1: I, th- I think the way some of it is gets a bit distracting though because there is so much of it and it doesn't go in the way you maybe sort of think not that it should go but the way that it would flow like the way sort of the arc is there and there's all this stuff it feels like the arc's only there to get that shot of it you know in the side of the volcano mm. rather than it being there as the Autobot ships that's carried them to being deactivated because obviously that doesn't happen but it's all really fast if that makes sense it And that's kind of one of those things like you've got Unicron in there, but he feels like he's there because he's got a toy and rather than having like a major influence. And there's a lot of stuff like that where even though it's there, like the Unicron stuff, it's there to foreshadow and stretch the story to probably later seasons. But because there's so much of really major iconography in it, it, you see it and you know what it is from something else. And so it becomes quite distracting in the way it's drawn together sometimes, if that makes sense.
0: No, yeah, I get that. I get that. So, did you spot some of the references uh, right at the start in the first episode? Uh, the little flashes that Optimus has. Did you see that?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's little visions of the future.
0: Yeah, yeah it's, well, yeah, little visions. He actually, there's. if you pause it, it's really, really kind of quite weird and cool, actually. Like, if you pause it, he's having these little flashes and visions. And one of them is of his own death in the 1986 movie. So it's I mean you can quite clearly see it if you freeze frame. Uh there's like the the top down shot of that Optimus on his deathbed with like Hot Rod and Perceptor and all of those guys stood round him in a little circle. Um there's that there's a There's not is dead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well it doesn't make it it makes no sense in terms of continuity. <laughs> I mean it's clearly, you know, it was kind of is this the future but it couldn't possibly be the future because you know, there's too many things that don't work in terms of the continuity or whatever. Um, but then there's also uh, a little clip of them uh, arriving on Earth. And I think it's supposed to be possibly Sparkplug and Spike, uh, or maybe even Buster Witwicky from the... Oh, uh,
1: yeah, I've seen the, scre- the screenshots of it.
0: Yeah, it's it's not really clear what what it is, but it's kind of it's Optimus and some humans. And there's Bumblebee in there as well. Uh, there's a little clip of Menosaur um like g1 Menosaur, um in there and it but it's all literally split second stuff and then it goes so i missed all of that you you would unless you yeah you would honestly you could you could blink and it would it was gone it was just literally like optimus is chilling out in his bedroom and then suddenly has a couple of little visions and that's it i
1: think that's it with a lot of the references though what i was trying to say was like you sort of see stuff like it it almost feels like it's trying to tell you this is a retelling of, like, G1 and Beast Wars and stuff, but in a slightly different way. But as soon as you start thinking about it, you're like, well, if this is the Ark and it's crashed now, but they've then gone back and flown to Cybertron, does this mean they get back in the Ark, come back, crash, land in the volcano, wake up four million years later, then become cars and stuff like that? Because of the toys as well. But And it just feels like they're saying, it's almost like this was the bit before, and then once they get there, you're like, well, how would they then get back to that bit of the story? And it feels like they're trying to say, is going to happen in the future. Because Megatron's reading the stuff on the Golden Disk and stuff like that, and he's talking about... He seems to be talking about the distant future as if he's, you know, the far, far future. So, but in that timeline, where they didn't meet the Beast Wars cast, and all this stuff, other stuff didn't happen, did they just stay on Earth for, like, millions of years and then just carry on?
0: What? Uh, yeah, it's quite open to interpretation, isn't it, I mm. guess? So, I must admit, I just took it as a, a whole other storyline. I wasn't too, you know... I wasn't really looking for it to tie into anything to do with Transformers past or anything like that but there were if anything it was only because there were so many references in there that you start thinking about it isn't there just because they kind of kept coming back to it
1: yeah that's that's exactly it like for me I, I wasn't expecting it to tie in or anything but because it's constantly throwing like little breadcrumbs mm. about other things but then you sec- the second you start thinking about how that applies to what you know and it's like but then that couldn't work here because these other things have happened there's a different timeline and like, like I was saying about Skylinks and Earthrise like when he turns up in a very accurate shuttle with the heat uh, shield around it and stuff. And you're like looking at it going, but this makes no sense as to how this could have possibly
0: yeah. ever have happened. The, 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 if anything, the, ho- the kind of whole show almost feels like it was written with the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme in mind, <laughs> doesn't it? Because it's just <laughs> like people sat at home going, ah... I, I I know what that is. <laughs> you know what I mean, or like freeze framing it, or whatever. So it's like the writers
1: uh, o- Oprah going. You get a G one reference. You get a G one <laughs> yeah, reference. Exactly. You get a Beast Wars car. Maximals, Autobots,
0: Maximals. Does that mean transform? Just coming back to Beast Wars, again, because I I just wanted to make a couple more points. I was just going to say, the Golden Disc was a funny one for me, because it kind of... I liked some of what they did with the Golden Disc. This was, I suppose for me, uh, sort of symptomatic of kind of the, the whole show, in that it worked the Golden Disc, I thought, on its own. You know, just taken as a separate entity to anything else. I liked what they did with it, and how they worked it in. The problem for me was that it gets very confusing when you then also have the matrix and the all spark and whatever else was a MacGuffin in there as well yeah. and it just kind of felt like there was almost too much mythology and future things and this and that and hang on what, what what's how, how does that tie into that Do you know what i mean and it was kind of i don't know it was that was kind of the maybe the thing with the all spark again really that by the time that got wheeled out again and ultra magnus is you know doing his like flying t-pose or whatever <laughs> that it was kind of like what, hang on a minute weren't we just focused on the matrix a minute ago and that was the big thing and before that it was the golden disc and i don't know just almost too many mcguffins for me really but i did think that actually the the, the golden disc itself worked quite well
1: yeah it, it doesn't let any of them feel important does it i think that's sort of the, the the crux of that show is there are so many of them you're never really that bothered about any of them like the matrix and the like the golden disc and the allspark they all feel very much of a muchness because there's so many and you're like they're like this is the ultimate one but then what's that one because I think the Beast Wars cast even say it at one point don't they like uh, they're talking about one of them being the ultimate thing and they're like but what about this other ultimate thing uh, Like because I think they're after the golden disc aren't they and then the Autobots are talking about the Spark and they're like well what's so good about the Spark? yeah that's where DiCaprio's pointing. He's like, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. That's when the writers are going, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, maybe we should uh, acknowledge the absurdity here a little bit. So Maybe we bring in the Dark Matrix. <laughs> yeah, oh God, don't. Yeah. Yeah, just a lot of stuff going on. But, uh, you know, I, I I do think it was quite cool that they managed to get in a little shot of Megatron's uh, face. That was another little. Leo pointing bit of uh, Megatron's face reflected in the golden disc that was cool. which was the, the exact same shot used in Beast Wars actually in the the clip where they're talking about G1 Megatron having you know used the disc to send a message back in time um so yeah that was kind of cool so there's lots of little nods to to Beast Wars in that it felt to me like the the people writing it clearly had a lot of love for uh, the 90s show quite clearly um and they they lifted a lot out of that and it felt like they As you said, Maz, actually, I think in many ways they made the Beast Wars cast very likable on the whole. Like, I felt like they really wanted to write for that cast and and make them work. Um, Even the stuff like with Rhinox, for example, you know, being like the most capable uh, Transformer who ever lived yet again. You know, are you a super genius? You know, and all of that. Yeah,
2: but I felt like I couldn't place what they had based the G1 cast on. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to say, well, it must be maybe like an influence of IDW or something like that. But then again, it wasn't completely consistent with that either. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Bumblebee didn't match up entirely to his original G1 depiction because I think he was a bit more heroic here and a bit more in line with what a modern Bumblebee depiction in a Transformers cartoon would be since the movies. Uh, since Prime, since Robots in Disguise, Cyberverse, that sort of thing. Wait till you see Siege. <laughs> well, okay, <laughs> if, if I'm allowed, uh, then <laughs>
1: no.
2: Yeah, then Wheeljack obviously seemed a bit more like a mad scientist that like deliberately screws things up, or just is is a little bit incapable. Maybe that's quite consistent in a way. Hound, <laughs> like his his appearance was, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have equated that to what i know of hound in previous media that i've that i've consumed mirage was quite close actually and actually quite loved mirage in it i thought
0: that was really cool
2: uh, See, it's funny because i can't
0: even remember mirage appearing really in king that's because he was invisible and then he <laughs> <Yeah>. and helped <laughs>
2: right. bust air out i think it was air razor they busted out wasn't it
0: oh uh,
1: yeah okay yeah 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 he's uh, there briefly there, there in the it? start then- isn't he when he's got the shield up at the very beginning Right.
2: Yeah, right. And of course, like some of the powers seem different. And I know I sound like a dinosaur because I've probably missed a lot of relevant fiction in between what I know and what was being referenced. But then Mirage, obviously, he was impersonating Astrotrain. And he was... I thought, wait, can he do that? <laughs> I didn't know he could do that. Isn't that what Hound does? <laughs> but then uh Starscream was going invisible and stealthy. I was like, wait, can, can he do that? Is that Mirage you just walked in? No, it was Starscream. Wait, I didn't know he could do that. Okay, i probably not read a text spec well enough somewhere. So there was definitely... I was getting feelings like that with the G1 cast that um it didn't completely... uh relate to what I knew of their capabilities or, or their personalities and I was trying to place each one wondering if they were all lifted from one source or whether they had cherry-picked particular incarnations of those characters.
0: No, I, I can sympathise with some of that. I actually think that, if anything, the, the Beast Wars cast felt more well-rounded, they felt more defined, whereas yeah. some of the, the G1 guys just kind of blur a little bit for me, you know, like, realistically, you know, uh, there was I remember there was one episode, I can't remember which one, And suddenly, Sideswipe has a line of dialogue. And I was Mm. like, oh my god, he's still there. (laughs) Like, I'd completely forgotten that you're even here, mate. Do you know what I mean? You're just like hanging in the background. And and that for me was kind of a bit of a fault, because although it was great to see the Beast Wars guys, you know, getting their due, a lot of the G1 dudes were just kind of really sidelined. I mean, RC had quite a lot of dialogue, but she was just really used for exposition more than anything. She was just there to kind of explain what was going on half
1: the time, and she has no importance to the plot whatsoever. actually. No, she nothing. Not
0: really, not really. She just kind of turns up, shoots, does some exposition, and that's that. So I don't know. It just it just felt like they. It was a large ensemble of characters, and they they obviously had to balance it all of it, which is difficult. But um,
1: I really loved uh, Wheeljack. I really like Wheeljack because he just felt like the cartoon character to be like everything you know about Wheeljack. It just felt like. And I felt like that's why it was so jarring with characters like Ironhide when they've got these really young Mm -hmm. voices. I don't mind different voices, but... That's a good show, yeah. He just didn't... There was nothing of the character when he looked so much like the character, if that makes Mm -hmm.
2: sense. Prowl too, actually.
1: It's the thing with all the Beast Wars cast felt like the Beast Wars cast. Like, even if the voices... Like, Optimus Primal sounds a bit different and stuff, but they all felt very in step like that. And whereas the Autobots don't. Some of them do, and I think that's why it's so jarring because some, like Wheeljack are so similar to what you remember. But then other ones are so different. Like Mirage is very similar as well. Like hmm. and but then you get like again Ironhide who is just so far off. And then if you'd seen siege like Bumblebees are very much like a very edgelord, isn't he, 6 0 in, in the first yeah. series he does he doesn't like Autobots, he's all on his own and stuff like that. And it's it just feels it's sometimes it's a bit hard to the show feels like it's trying to get you to settle in by selling you stuff you know but at the same time chucking really weird stuff that feels completely counter to what it
0: is that's 100% it it's not really one thing or the other it's not a break from everything that's gone before quite clearly because there's tons of references and like as you said you know some of the characters look identical to how they have done in the past or their you know whole bits of their plot line is lifted from previous cartoons or whatever it may be but then there are huge changes as well so it's kind of like what is this actually in a way? Do you know what I mean? Is this something that I'm watching to feel nostalgic or is this just a completely new thing and I should just get on board? And and either of those is fine. I feel like sometimes that works, you know, like, and again, I would use the example of Dinobot, who to Mm -hmm. me felt quite different as a character, but lifted a lot of the old Dinobot storyline and had a new voice actor. So there's there's a real mix there for me of new and old. And I felt that that worked. But other times, yeah, I was kind of like, ooh, I don't know if, if I don't know if this gels for me or not. It's strange.
1: Yeah. And with someone like Ironhide, not to keep going back to him, but he doesn't get a chance because he's such a background character. He Doesn't get a chance to do anything new to become something new. There's no yeah. new, nothing added to him. So. The only thing you really see of him is what he looks like, which is the old Ironhide, really, just with a little bit more cybertronian to him. Except for when he talks, then you're like, it doesn't sound anything like that. Right, that's it. Expect.
2: I think that's it, exactly. I didn't need to have more G1 cast in that. I didn't feel yeah. like any of the G1 characters should have been used more. I didn't. But when they did say something, uh, some of those inconsistencies with what I knew of them in a show that, like you said, is trying to ground you in recognised past history Mm. uh it didn't it didn't gel for me i guess um you know they they obviously focused on starscream and Soundwave, megatron and optimus yeah and then obviously like the the bumblebee he did seem just there was nothing jovial about him but then that's not the bumblebee you've come to know in recent media anyway
1: this is his cheeriest version as well
2: (laughs) well prowl in a way prowl would probably be the most uh consistent because he was almost like very little in the original g1 mm. cartoon and he didn't have like a very uh extreme personality in the cartoon originally so that didn't feel so jarring for me but i think Ironhide is an excellent example
0: mm. the weird thing of course about bumblebee is that they put him front and center especially in again some of the previous two chapters and that and then he doesn't even have a toy does he
1: no, this is, this is absurd. Like in Siege, he's the main character of the show, isn't he? He is genuinely, yeah. but he's the only one whose animation model is entirely unique. Or I can't remember who the other one is. There's another one, I think, where they've got unique animation model, but it's his. It's not a toy. And then he doesn't get a toy until Earthrise. Where he's got a VW Beetle, which of course is unrelated to the show <laughs> anyway. any way, form.
0: It's yes. such a weird choice, honestly. Yeah. Like, I just, uh, you know, I think it's cool that they did a VW Beetle toy of him and all of that, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of mad. Does he even transform at any point in, nope. in the three seasons of the, sh- the show? He doesn't.
1: No, no. It's so weird. For ages, there was this whole like, oh, well, obviously he was intended for Siege and they chopped him at the last minute and stuff. So. But then we saw that, um, the Origins Bumblebee, which has got the G1 style, floaty car mode you know from the cartoon
0: the lemon yeah <laughs> it does look like a lemon it does oh i've always God. thought it looked like a lemon yeah i never thought of that before it really does look like a lemon it's frisbee that's what it yes. is lemon frisbee
1: but uh but like you see that toy it looks nothing like the siege model so it's not that either if they made a like toy it's really strange it's so strange
0: it's a weird one for a toy line that is so closely modelled to the show as well, you know, and it's it's weird where there are those departures from the toy line to the cartoon. Um, You know, I mean, uh, you see it in stuff like we were talking the other day, weren't we, about the colour of Optimus's boobs, for example. You know, <laughs> being a bit of a bit of a departure because uh, we were talking about the old three zero toy that's now come out that has the green boobs, uh, whereas you know the the Siege toy has blue boobs. Your no video that um, was lovely, by the way thank you very much yeah, yeah outstanding thank you thank you appreciate it your best one yet oh that's very kind thank you but no it's it's, it's just weird to me how you know they they've there's just been so many inconsistencies with the cartoon to the toy line and it's not even that you know they haven't featured some of the toys i get that it's a very common thing whatever but it's just like you said with bumblebee being the prime example where it's just i don't know what what was the logic there i can't can't kind of fathom it really so there
1: was an idea there, wasn't it, afraid that they were keeping bumblebee out of the generations toy line and i think the designers kept hinting at it didn't they because people were complaining about there being too many bumblebee toys in the movies and stuff and so i think i think that was the reason he wasn't in siege or maybe that was an influence on it
0: not not the bees eh not the the bees i am a warrior you've shown me that my choices are my own and yet how ironic the cause I want to fight for leaves me with no choice at all. Okay, so just talking a little bit more about the cartoon itself, uh, what did you guys make of the animation of the show? Because, of course, it was... Um, well, I think it's interesting to to think whether it's a high-budget or a low-budget show because I've, it looks very polished on, on kind of face value, but then there are definitely elements of it where you think maybe they were trying to save a little bit of cash here and there. Do you know what I mean? So stuff like uh, my old chestnut is always... The amount of transformations that occur off screen, for example. No, which I, I actually I, looked out you know. for this because of because of your various complaints in previous episodes. <laughs> I think I mentioned it twice. And one of
2: the first things, yeah, and one of the first things I saw in the first episode was the hound model, which is obviously based on the siege hound transform. And I was like, that was awesome, and I yeah. thought he looked great. And it just reminded me how much. I really wanted to pick up Siege Hound. And I did actually, but then I gave it to someone as a present. So I never actually got to open it and play with it. And there were many occasions where it reminded me of watching a show like uh, R.I.D. Car Robots because the character models looked so much like toys. And I'm yes. realizing now how much of a kick I get out of toy-based models on screen, transforming, doing cool stuff. And it inspires me to want to buy toys. So I was thinking when I was watching Air Rays, I was like, if the toy really looks like that, that must be a super cool toy to have, and that's something I'd consider buying. So every time I did see very toy-based models on screen, it reminded me what I like about Transformers cartoons, and that was definitely evident in the show. Whereas there were some things like on Prime, he's got that big block on his back, and you were saying in your three zero video how that's just something they've added to make it accurate to the cartoon, right, or to the original WFC toy. C-
0: certainly on, yeah, certainly on the three zero toy, yeah. Yeah.
2: So that was a. It's almost like with Prime's animation model that was a reminder to me why sometimes on screen artists take liberties and don't represent a character entirely like its toy. How they they may have taken a bit more stylized view of it and made him a bit more dynamic looking, whereas he looked really bulky and clunky to me sometimes on screen in terms of his character model. But it worked great for, for, I think it was Prowl, and it worked really great for um, Hound. But then I was seeing elements of Astro Train where he looked supremely clunky and looked yeah. a lot like the toy. I was like, but I appreciate that they look like the toys. And transformation-wise, there was one part where Starscream landed out of the sky into the Stranger Things forest. And, uh, and he <laughs> transformed and he was sliding. And then a bit more of his transformation took place. And I thought, that was awesome. Like, that mm. looked really great. So I, I did feel like there was more transformation in there. And what I did see of it, I really liked.
0: Yeah, I think some of the character models definitely work better in the animation than others. Uh, I think there are some. Actually, it's funny because you mentioned about Optimus. And I have thought that before, that he sometimes looks a little bit clunky on on the screen. Uh, I think the head sculpt looks amazing. I think they've done a really good yeah. job with the head, uh, although the mouth doesn't move enough for me and stuff like that. So it could you know it could be a bit of that, but that's by the by and by. But um, the one thing that I don't like about the the way Prime moves is is um, is abs. It's got yeah, the, mega- the
1: way they stretch—that's a real problem. It's awful. Yeah, oh, the
2: twisting. Yeah, exactly. It's so weird.
0: So yes. weird. Cog in the
1: earlier ones—it's horrible.
0: Yeah. Meg- Megatron does it as well, and it's it's yes. really off-putting, I find. It's Whenever in the walk... walking
2: scenes, when they walk towards you. Yeah. I noticed it. I was going to bring that up too. That was the other thing I wanted to say. Absolutely, the abs.
1: There is a reason for it. Go on. And it's not just that it's cheap. And It's something you were saying there about Optimus uh, Prime's backpack and how they look so much like the toy. And it's because someone is probably screaming this right now, but it's because um, it's they use the CAD models, the same CAD models as the toys, don't they? That's what yes. they've done through the show. So that's why they all look, because you can see all the... The five millimeter Mm. peg holes, aren't they? You can just see they filled them in with like the barest of like design elements and stuff. Just fill those holes. That's all it is. But that, but that's why they look like. That's why they move because they've basically just taken those and added a little Z brush over the top, give it a a bit of polish. But that's really all it is. And I think that's. And I really like that because it feels like the toys I have. But but your
2: toys don't contort that way. Like your toy has has a waist swivel. (laughs) And the entire grill would move exactly. to the side, not just the top part of the grill looking you like.
1: I don't know how my toys move when I'm breaking them.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was like someone had applied free transform in, uh, in Photoshop and it just, started, like, it really skew. was. Like they'd skewed yeah. the middle of him.
0: It really was. It was someone had got that brush and just kind of like mushed it a little bit. It was just mm. really weird.
1: There was a funny bit watching Kingdom tonight, uh, again. And I noticed the amount of times when Optimus turns his arm, he turns his whole upper shoulder inside, which the toy can't do. So like where the Autobot logo is is facing in like that. And That's how he turns his arm and I was like, but he's got the upper biceps all, why don't they just use that for the arm? And it actually noticed <laughs> it's like, and it and I picked it out. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> why am I thinking of that?
0: Well, we know not everyone can pose toys, don't we? <laughs> it's it's weird with the the Optimus model especially having the 30 toy and seeing yeah. how articulated that is and knowing that actually, you know, the design of that thing can be quite fluid um based on the 30 toy. Uh, yeah I, the the bendy abs thing i just can't get on board with it killed me every time i saw it i was like oh it looks so gross it looks so weird um just on megatron as well i just thought it was really i don't know just didn't work for me at all
1: it's cog in particular cog in the previous two series it's right. awful because he has nothing in his upper torso so it just oh it's horrible it's like it looks like a, a migraine. That's what it looks like. like. Everything is melting and moving.
0: Yeah, it's a bit weird. I But I do agree with your earlier point, Maz, that some of the characters, like Astro Train, look a little bit more clunky. Like it's great that they look dead onto the toys, but it's just, you, you can see that some of the toys, you know, because as you said, they're all based on the CAD designs. Some of them, it, it benefits them moving a little bit more than it does others, I think. It's fair to say. I thought the Beast Wars guys, yes, uh, all the Beast nails. Wars cast, look great, honestly. They did look fantastic,
1: yeah. They really suit it.
0: I th- yeah, yeah, but I think I'm right in saying, uh, I'm not as familiar with all of those toys, obviously, but I think I'm right in saying that there were a few more liberties taken with some of those designs versus the toys. Is that correct, Liam? Would you say?
1: Um, Yeah, because I was looking up to the Prime today. and he doesn't look exactly like the toy in the same way the Autobots do. They look identical to the toys, but the yeah. Beast Boys cast don't. They do look a little bit different. But it, it's interesting because, like, I was, I was saying on Twitter recently, wasn't I, that... One of the reasons I didn't like Beast Wars originally was the animation in the original cartoon because to me it just even when I saw it back then it looked outdated. But seeing them in this show like I really enjoyed seeing those characters here and it's weird because when we talk about like the Bendy animation and it looking like the toys and clunky for the Autobots, it never felt like that with the Beast Wars cast and I really enjoyed seeing them in a way I never did. They really suit it. 100%
0: agree. I thought all of the Beast Wars cast Honestly, looked stellar, the way they moved, I thought was really impressive. Uh, I thought the transformations mm-hmm. uh, looked good. I thought, you know, stuff like Beast Wars Megatron uh, transforming, I thought looked great. Um, he but the, did look great. Dis- yeah, yeah, it did. I
2: thought he had a wonderful head sculpt. Like, you know, just the way he was drawn was, was really, really nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was very impressive to watch, I thought. And uh, you, you mentioned Eraser earlier. But, but even he- some of the ones that got less screen time, uh, you know, like Cheetor and Tigatron, you know, look really good again. And uh, I just thought it, it all of it worked, to be honest. So um, it was kind of interesting. If anything, it made me want just more of Beast Wars done in m- yeah. modern animation. So. Right, absolutely. <laughs>
1: That's it's what I really liked it. about it, was seeing it, seeing those character designs in better animation that was more, I don't know, to <laughs> my taste, just what's more modern animation. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they felt so Care- much more dynamic, careful. you know they just it's, it's something about seeing them more refined and i was like, I'll go that far and i
0: just really okay. liked it i get okay. what you're saying yeah. i do get what you're saying it's it's more modern isn't it for sure um i mean i actually i love the old animation and um will always kind of you know stick stick my neck out for it or whatever but yeah i did enjoy seeing it i thought dinobot looked great as well um but you know and, and again that i think um it's kind of almost what you were saying maz i think versus the toys they took the toys for the beast wars characters and just slightly stylized them if anything that was kind of from based on the what i've seen of the toys um you know they're they're just not dead ringers for it they're just like a little bit stylized um but i thought it worked um so that i wasn't too sure about optimus's gorilla mode i will say that was maybe the only one that i was kind of like but you know generally it was all good i think galvatron's Um, nose bothered me a bit yeah
1: And all those lines on him, all those lines on his neck. It looked like he was wearing like a thatched roof around his neck.
0: Man, you, I saw your tweet about this before I saw the episode and it was all I could see. I was like, oh man, you just (laughs) totally ruined it for me, honestly. When you said he looked looked like he was wearing like a thatched ruff or something. And I was like, (laughs) as soon as he came on screen, I was like, oh, yeah, it really does look like that. Damn. (laughs) Uh, I just couldn't, I couldn't unsee it. Like, removed all threat and menace from him for me. it does. He uh, looks like
1: a pilgrim or something like that. He's got like <laughs> oh like he's in Little
0: God. House on the Prairie and running down a hill. he has got
1: that kind of it old does. type American vibe. But there's, but there's, I think that's something to do with the models, isn't it? Because Megatron's face is similar. It's got, look, it's very, very liney. If you look at his face, it's that kind of one where you kind of want to run, run your thumbnail over it. It's got that kind of
0: texture it's obviously meant to look like brushed metal isn't it but it kind of comes across looking like straw almost it's it's quite a weird one it's really Um,
1: egregious on Galvatron in particular
0: yes it is it is yeah (laughs) yeah it is (laughs) there was one scene
2: I I quite enjoyed amazingly I had actually forgotten about well not forgotten I just didn't think that they would include the titan mode arc the titan class arc in this. so I just thought the arc was the arc you know it's the ship and obviously I know that they've made a toy of the last Autobot and um, then he transformed and I was like, that, that, that's great actually. I, I loved I'm it. I'm really happy I that's happening. That, that's really yeah. cool. And I loved beforehand when they'd uh, their weapons were disabled Megatron just sort of goes out onto the platform and says, I am a weapon. And
0: yeah, thought, that was super I cool. I like that too. That was great. That was super And the whole cool. bit with
2: Starscream. You know, yes. I thought, I liked where his character went in in the series. and I, I liked how he was going to be the one who could hear Unicron and and then he was screaming at them to not go through the the gate. And yeah, like I said, I, I would have loved it to end there.
1: He had a really good arc. Yes. Yeah, that, it, was, it was very much like, he mentions it, doesn't he? That like he feels almost like a, he's been abused, doesn't he? He's got like a very abusive sort of background. And then he, he takes control for himself at the end. And I really like that. He kind of, you know, he's not a victim. That's how he sort of plays himself, isn't he? That's what he mm. realises at the end. I fly. liked it a lot.
0: <laughs> I I um I wrote an article on Kingdom. Uh, when was it like a month or so ago? And actually, Starscream was one of the bits that I said really worked for me because I just like I liked the fact that he was still him. He was still Starscream. He was still a treacherous you know bastard or whatever. But there was almost a reason for him being treacherous. You know, it wasn't just his own self interest. Like there was a bit of that obviously at the start. But then as soon as he finds out about the threat of Unicron. I just thought it worked like how looming that presence was. Um, I also felt that actually Unicron worked for me as a kind of uh kind of background presence as well. Yep. I feel like Unicron is a, a little bit overused in Transformers Media mm. these days, but here it worked because they kept him just in the background. You know, yeah. they, they didn't overdo Proper it. Proper menacing too. Yes, very menacing. It's
2: really mm. nicely done. Where well, I was actually worried at the end of that what I thought was the last episode, like it all seems good now, but that's still waiting. Whereas yep. at the end of the last episode, I almost didn't think that it was going to be that big of a deal that he would turn up. But I don't know, somehow the way he was represented up to that penultimate episode was more impressive. Hey, one more thing. Is it just my imagination? Or was there a lot of people always hiding and eavesdropping on others during <laughs> the series? Was there always <laughs> someone had overheard something someone had said whether it was in the ship or in the forest or something? There's always someone.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Just a lot of you know, out and out discussing your plans and earshot of other people. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: weird because it either veers from that or to everybody shouting. You know, there's a lot, there's constantly arguing and stuff. There's a funny moment at the start, you know, where the, like the Beast Wars cast just bursts into the arc and start fighting. And you're like, that's the kind, it's kind of like that. Like they either have one mode or the other. They're all like sneaking around and spying or the yelling. Because that always strikes me in TV shows and films when characters do that. Their first interactions, classic comic thing is they just start fighting. Even yeah. though if the only things they have are in common, and it's like, it's like they've just seen the ark crash, and their first instinct is to just run on board and beat up whoever's on it. Like, imagine if a bus crashed outside your house,
0: and your first instinct was, "I better get on there and drop kick the driver."
1: That's that's what they're doing. It's just like, where does this come from?
0: There was a bit of that. It was kind of like when they were all fighting and stuff—the Maximals and the Autobots. It was a bit like just have a conversation, lads. All right, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Chill it off. It was. Do you, do yeah. you not
2: think you would clothesline the driver instead of the
0: dropkick? <laughs> yeah. Maybe, man. If that's your go-to, you know, pro wrestling move of choice, then uh, yeah. yeah, why not? Why not? Inextricably
2: so. tied to Transformers fiction of the past, I don't
0: know something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it w- would have been fun to see for sure. Uh, yeah I, I, that that scene was a bit ridiculous in that regard i guess it was the whole thing wasn't it that they thought that he was nemesis prime not optimus prime but
1: how would they have known
0: but he was red yeah
1: and he was inside the arc when it crashed they couldn't see through it as it was crashing like how would yeah. they have known
0: true 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 true
1: i did like rat trap though in the in the cabling and stuff underneath when was it Wheeljack spots him and he like freaks out i thought that was brilliant i really like that
0: yeah yeah it was cool it was a good way to introduce the Maximals and kind of made them seem a little bit distinct. I thought they really kind of stole the show with that. I also loved their kind of heroic moment, you know, when it was kind of like they, they've they got to get the arc up in the sky and all of that, and the Nemesis is attacking, but it's the Beast Wars guys that, like, go on the offensive with Black Arachnia as well, which I thought mm-hmm. was really nice how they kind of got all of them together, Um, you know, and they kind of go off and save the day. I thought that was really cool yeah. uh, that they got the kind of moment to shine. And she stuff was really good. She, had she was great. Yeah, yeah, I agree yeah, with that, yeah. Really good.
1: Heard Dino and Starscream together were fantastic. That was a cool little
0: yeah, cool little trio. And again, the voice acting I thought was really good. Um, you know, and and at no point was I sitting there going, "Oh, you know, I wish we had Venus Terzo back," you know, from the original series. Because um, as much as I do love that that voice acting, you know, this felt distinct in its way. It was you know, it's its own thing. I wasn't trying to compare it. So, um, so yeah. But I think it in in a funny way. My only issue with some of the voice acting is when they try and do a bit of an impersonation of something that's come in the past, and then it's yeah. just not as successful. So I think actually with Megatron, Beast Wars, I didn't mind it being different at all. It was never going to be David Kaye, but I didn't like so much when they tried to do the yes, yes and all of that. Yeah. Like I was like, just don't do that. Don't do yeah. it. Just why? You know, like you're yeah. setting yourself up for failure when you try and do that kind of impersonation of something in the past and it's a bit the same to me to be honest with optimus in that obviously they hired the guy because he's well known for doing impersonations of peter cullen if you know if you're going to go with a new voice actor which is fine do a new voice actor by all means it does not have to be peter cullen you know for my money david Kay and gary chalk have both done very good optimus primes in the past so it absolutely can be a different voice um, but it doesn't work for me so much when you hire someone and have them impersonate what's come previously. That's my only bugbear with it. Like If you're going to do it different, just do it different.
1: I bet it's the guy who did the stand near that MP1. <laughs> yeah, no, I, remember, I bet it's that, that guy. Oh, oh, MP1, is it? Yeah, yeah, not just for you, Maz. I like oh, oh, MP1. Letters yeah, exactly. <laughs> from the front of numbers.
0: <laughs> oh, oh, MP1.
1: Oh, oh. But, oh, oh. uh... I know what you mean, with, with Megatron, for me, though, just, uh I didn't, I didn't mind that his voice was different. I just think what was, I think the real problem with is he he lacked an edge. There's like, you never got the impression he was going to become like the sort of Beast Wars Megatron, you know, because he's so sycophantic, but not in that Starscream mm. way, where you feel like he's scheming because there's never, because when it started, I thought ah, he's going to have a plan or something. There's going to be something where he's, even if he's, you know, Lord to Megatron now, he's going to have some plan for his own glory, but it there's never any hint of that. In fact, it almost goes the other way, where you feel like he becomes more of a zealot as it goes along. Mm. And I just, I just felt that's what was sort of lacking from his character because he's not even like Rasputin-esque. Because Rasputin, that sort of character has an angle, and Beast Wars Megatron never really did, and it just was such a weird take that just felt so jarring. Because it could have done a different voice. That's fine, but it's yeah, just it, he was
2: bad, more nutter than he? villain, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. yeah, he was. He was just like Starscream without the treachery. He just really like. Every, he's always like Soundwave. He's got that kind of. He'll do anything Megatron tells him to do. He only cares about Megatron. He's got that kind of. And he, just, he just didn't feel like. I don't know. He didn't feel like he stood out as a result. He just felt like another one of a minion, so to
0: speak. He looked super cool in animation. That's the yes. that's the best thing to say about it. Mm. I, I really loved and and you know so, like seeing the the fight scene with him and Dinobot stuff like that. Seeing him taking on. Uh, you know the guys in the final episode, all of that. I thought looked fantastic. So that's yeah, something. Agreed. Agreed. Every fantastic. time he
1: transformed and charged the screen as a T Rex, because I think he does it a couple of times, and yeah. it's just
0: brilliant. With his mouth
1: open, and it's just like, wow, mm. that's cool. It's nice. Yeah, that's what these shows are great for. They get you give you these moments, these things you really want to see like that. And you're like, mm. this is just cool.
0: A brave new world awaits us. You could have been a part of it, but you threw it all away. At least I still have. My honor. So we've talked a little bit or kind of hinted about toys and uh feels relevant to talk about toys on the Toycast and uh of course uh, we've already kind of said that it's quite strange how some of the cartoon deviates from the toy line to some extent. Uh, I don't mind that personally like I think that's fine but it does feel like the strategy here was quite strange given that the cartoon models particularly for the G1 cast are so toyetic you know to then not represent the toy line to a fairly large degree is is quite weird isn't it i mean let's deal with the elephant in the room which is that there are so many earth mode (laughs) transformers in the toy line and yet they only make it to prehistoric earth not to current day earth i mean what what's the logic there
1: i don't know it feels like there's a i think the toy lines must have their own sort of fiction that fictional story that works sort of internally but we don't know about because You see with characters like Rodimus Prime show up and he's doing the Doctor Strange sort of green summoning time travel sort of stuff. And there's a lot of that. And that was the same in um, like Titans Return and Combiner Wars. They had their own toy line fiction that wasn't the fiction you saw on the TV show they made. It was always different. And so I think that's what's going on with the toy line. I don't think it's bound to the show. I think they just had the same name and some of the same toys. No, they've got
2: different agendas completely, like they are accomplishing completely different things and almost for different audiences. The show is supposed to bring in new people to watch Transformers and get into Transformers and maybe then buy Transformers and become fans, whereas the toy line obviously is nodding vigorously towards established collectors, you know, and things like that.
1: It's interesting you say that though, because when you look at the Netflix show, it feels very much like it's geared toward adults and a that kind of audience of Transformers fans that already exists, whereas the toys also feel like they're doing that with the character choice of all the generation Mm -hmm. one characters in very G1 modes and it's like you've got these two things doing the same things but differently almost it's just serving the same crowd but really differently
0: that's kind of my thing that's why I think it's a bit strange is that it's not like one of them is going after kids as such and and you know kind of not kind of ignoring if you like adult collectors or people that grew up on G1 or Beast Wars or whatever they're both doing it but just very differently and i guess it's weird to not see stuff like Rodimus Prime in the cartoon as one example mm. you know or all of these earth modes and everything that they've got um i it is kind of strange to have a whole sector of the you know a whole section of the trilogy called Earthrise <laughs> that doesn't feature earth at all do you know what i mean i mean like literally earth crops up in the last 30 seconds of the six episodes in Earthrise um, you know, which is really weird. I guess it's strange because clearly there was a kind of, you know, an idea of how the three parts of a trilogy could move forward, you know, which would involve them getting to Earth at some point uh, in the present day. But it just kind of never happened. And obviously the, the writers of the show kind of took it their own way. Um, and I, I don't mind that at all. But how, how would they have incorporated the Beast Wars cast if they had included present day Earth? Well, I mean, I, I guess the thing to say is that there's no... I mean, that you'd be completely rewriting the show, but I've never felt that there's a need for necessarily the Beast Wars cast to be on prehistoric Earth. Do you know what I mean? I don't think so, you need So to that's
2: what that. makes me think that they probably did not have the scope and the time to rewrite those characters into a consistent setting with what the toy line was called and what's been established by the toy line names. That's why I think it had to be different because they're putting in these characters yes, they're coming out in the toy line, but they exist in prehistoric Earth. It probably just wasn't time to create a new setting for all of this to make sense.
1: This is mm. sort of the weird thing with this, though, is because like, when you see like the Beast Wars cast and stuff in the marketing materials, it looks very much like the Autobots have gone back in time. That's mm. the impression you get from that stuff, is there's time travel involved, and they've come back from modern-day Earth in the... Ultimate Prime is a truck, Soundwave is a tape player, and you know, well, you still get that trucks. with
2: the uh, kingdom stock photography, aren't you? Like the recent kingdom road rage yeah. is standing on volcanic ground, which just screams prehistoric earth, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, but even the, the original kingdom art poster was of like Optimus Prime and then the Beast Wars cast around him. But it the implication looked like they they jumped back in time. And because that toy line is as much as there's Beast Wars characters in it, there are just as many like G1 characters, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there are. Optimus Prime's back as a truck twice, even though it's one's an Earthrise toy. But then there's also the core one. Then you've got Tiny Core Soundwave, you've got Tracks Warpath, all the I think Slammers come in from Metroplex and stuff like that. And it's it the those toy lines feel like they're still continuing generations, but they're filling out G1, but also adding in Beast Wars. Whereas the show, I don't know, it feels like it's going for a different thing, but with the same toys. Then we get Inferno in Kingdom as well, like Earth Mode Inferno.
0: Yeah. And Earthrise. And movie Cyclones.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is my favourite Kingdom toy. (laughs) I guess what's weird for me is that it's almost like they took the toys from Siege and then wrote three seasons about Mm. them, but called it WFC, you know, called it Earthrise and Kingdom, but then just introduced the Beast Wars cast. And that's basically what you get is it's the Siege cast, the Siege toys represented in all three seasons apart from Beast Wars. And that's why it's strange just in terms of how it represents the, the, um, you know, the overall trilogy of toys, if you like.
2: How could the scope ever have been bigger when you're looking at six episodes per series and when you've got that many different timelines yeah. and toy lines to sort of work into? Like, I can just imagine them sitting down at the beginning of that and trying to come up with a realistic scope for what those series could be and what it could include and how it could never really do justice to the wild variety of the toy line and, that sort
0: of thing. Oh, I I I don't doubt that that's true, and I think you know realistically it never could have done. I think that actually, um, what's what's then weird is that some of the toys that they did try to incorporate, like Nemesis Prime, for example, mm. which didn't need to be in there at all. Like, what does he actually do that Galvatron doesn't do? If that makes sense, you know, like you could just have Galvatron be the the Unicron Herald or whatever. You don't need two of them necessarily, but it's just another toy that they did pronk in right at the last minute and kind of why did <laughs> it like wasn't why it to sort you of know?
2: represent the the wrong end product of optimus prime to sort of i guess you're right a- again establish that whole altering of history to not end up in this bad
1: place
0: i guess you're right thing. yeah i guess it, it, it did sort of work from the perspective of like there's a there's a twisted version of both optimus and megatron isn't there i guess yeah
1: there's also the the netflix toy line and Nemesis Prime was... I think he was in the spoiler pack. I don't know if you've seen those. There are these uh, boxes where they don't tell you what toys inside. And it's just one. And Earthrise was... I, th- I think that was Nemesis Prime. And I think it's the Siege toy with the Earthrise trailer. Uh, oh, that might be Kingdom. It's in one of them.
2: Well, that's not at all confusing, Liam. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> this whole toy line is so confusing. I- this is where Bumblebee's toy fits in in the Earthrise netflix toy line not the main Earthrise toy line Don't. and then uh, the, makes the my one, head spin yeah the first one what was the first one the spoiler pack was the ultra magnus siege toy in more gray wasn't it but with that red rung because <laughs> rung's in there as well you know from idw mm. that's where you get all the little ramps and stuff from siege but the siege toy line initially was the way it was spoken of was as if it was before the g1 cartoon it's before they left cybertron so that's why all the Ultimate prime looks like as close to an earth truck as he can you know like in the cartoon they just look like the earth modes on cybertron at the start the first siege felt like it was trying to tie that up if that makes sense i
2: don't know what you're talking about Soundwave was a lamppost
1: but he looked like a player that turned into a lamppost
2: i i did have to laugh at the siege ravage in kingdom because he 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 was still very much oh lord he coming
1: wasn't he, <laughs> on screen? If he had a voice, it'd be Terry
0: Crews, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he's a heckin' chonker. <laughs> Maybe just change it a bit, you know? Yeah, he's funny. I, a funny did, um, thing.
2: I did think it was really cool uh, the way Laserbeak brought down Airazer at, at towards yeah. the start. I, mean, I, yeah, I did really cool. enjoy that scene. That was cool. I
0: did, I did think that was cool but yeah i don't know how they could have represented more of the toy line and you know i don't i don't pretend to have all the answers of this stuff it just strikes me as a bit of a strange one to do uh like you said liam you know something that started in such a place where it was so close to the toy line and so accurate and then it's almost like they've you know just kind of deviated uh, on different paths
1: like a lead time on production for the show like from when those toys are revealed or how soon they were getting the models because like we're talking only about bumblebee and he's in the siege show but look it's the only model that looks nothing like a toy so it's very rare that they did anything else so maybe they just had those original siege models and they were making they must have been making kingdom and Earthrise. yeah instantly afterwards they you know finished each yeah. one
2: Th- think of the the bandwidth and lead time required to then create a whole new animation model off those yeah. cad files yeah, yeah. for for updated things that maybe the toys are just coming out onto the market now mm. and it's that It's completely understandable, I think.
0: Okay, I've got it. Here's how you do it, right? Here's how you make a cartoon that features all of those toys. This is what you do. So firstly, 2D animation. So, you know, old school. And uh, But then just do it in an R.I.D. 2001 style where you get like Megatron and he's suddenly like, aha, but here are my fossilizers. And then suddenly the fossilizers like come out of nowhere and they're all like fossilizers go. And they're suddenly like, doing their thing and you get a little montage with stuff flying in off the screen and like all of that. And, you know, suddenly they're combined and then someone else says, oh, no, it's, you know, so and so. And they're doing their thing and you just throw them all in there and get them to announce themselves and just like have a big battle. And I don't know, that would be kind of fun.
1: I would love that. Be like, oh no, it's Bonio and Juliet. <laughs> exactly. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? That's another thing though. Like The fossilizers form such a major part of that kingdom Excuse me. toy line.
2: Excuse me. We've just had Bonio and Juliet. Where did that come from?
1: <laughs> Have you
2: been sitting on that all night? Did you just come up with that?
1: Literally just popped into my head when it said fossilizers <laughs> as we were talking about it. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Bonio and Juliet. And
1: I'm just thinking of R.C. palling about with Springer's corpse, but as a dinosaur.
0: There's a, there's a T-shirt for you, right?
1: <laughs> but there's there's like fossilizers. There's such a part of that toy line.
0: But that's what I mean. And something like the RID 2001 cartoon would have just gone balls to the wall with just getting all that stuff represented on screen, right? Like it would have just gone for it. Uh, it would have been just been like fossilizers everywhere, transforming every two seconds.
1: I'd completely forgotten about the fossilizers until you mentioned them. Though. So that yeah. that's how weird that like watching the show is completely a non-entity because they're not in it.
0: How are you gonna do that show and not have fossilizers turn up, right? Like that's my only thing. Like I did enjoy Kingdom, but and it, it's quite a serious show in its way. But part of me did kind of miss the kind of levity of like just some of these like really mad toy concepts having to be explained. Do you know what I mean? Like the way that the way that... Just not sure Bonio and Julia is going to do it. <laughs> well, maybe not for a kid's show, but <laughs> Once again, get Liam to write the show. That's all I'm saying. I'm telling you, <laughs> Netflix, if you want a pole position
1: or Jason the Wild Warriors reboot, come to me.
0: Good Lord. I reckon he's just like Alan Partridge with his little dictaphone going new Transformers idea, fossilizers, Bonio and Juliet.
1: Yeah. Well, I do like Jurassic Park, so. <laughs> yes, that's very true.
0: But I think, you know, you. you I, Somewhere in my mind, there's a very, very different, more cartoony, more probably child centric cartoon that would have just thrown in everything from the toy line into one big soup and just let it happen. I don't know, in whatever kind of crazy way. And the, and not really kind of given so much of a fuss about the law and the plot and the all spark and all of that kind of stuff, but just so, like had
2: so had you fun want with it. to double trigger the fandom by not paying attention to the law <laughs> and making it cartoony and funny. That's your strategy, then.
1: <laughs> I
0: think it'd be fun. Not serious business. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to see. Everyone would lose their minds about Can it. Can but... you imagine? <laughs> yeah, I know. It'd be, it'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be something to talk about. It's a King Kong adventure. <laughs> yeah. That's what it should be called. <laughs> it's hard to know now what what the sort of next cartoons will go to, though, isn't it? Because we've had a kind of succession of kind of grim and gritty cartoons really like we've had a, a number of them. But then we've also had um previously some what I think were some quite good shows was stuff like R.I.D. 2015. Uh, Maz, mm. I know you really enjoyed that one oh, as well. I loved it.
2: Absolutely loved it, yeah.
0: But it's so different to this in its way, isn't it? Because it was um nothing like the toy line at the time, but just like a lot of fun, really. And I, I kind of I'd be up for a bit more fun with whatever comes next, I think.
1: Do you think that's the crowd this is going for though? Because we were saying like how Siege was so similar to the toys. And it feels like as it's gone on, it's almost, you know, we always say these shows are uh, toy adverts, aren't they? But this doesn't feel like that at all, because Earth Rising Kingdom almost entirely ignore the toys, you know, so many of the toys. So it, it feels like it's the writers have taken it on as something else, if that makes sense, rather than it being a mandated thing. And on the way it's pitched on Netflix as well, it's not pitched as a children's show, is it? It's very much... No targeted toward adult fans and collectors those you know an older crowd
0: i can tell you now my boy i haven't even tried him with it but he'd be bored he'd be bored to tears if i tried to show that to him uh, honestly and that, that's not a slight on the cartoon at all it's just not there's too much plot too much talking too much uh, philosophizing all of that it just wouldn't gel he's too young for it ultimately too
2: many people are in a mood
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Too much kind of well, I'm strop. pondering yeah. and stropping and shouting and all of that. It's just, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have that kind of levity that you kind of need necessarily to hold young minds, does it? I I think. Um, it's, it, if anything, it feels a bit more teenagery in that respect. Like, and again, I, that probably sounds like a diss and I really don't mean it as a diss. It's just, it, it is kind of hard to see what it's targeting in that regard. Do you know what I mean? Um, but Bono and Juliet were teenagers you're not going to let that go now are you? That's how can thing. you how can
1: you <laughs> yeah. I'm now thinking about how we can do a whole episode of like Shakespearean themed Transformers <laughs> references who's Mercutio <laughs> is that Springer
0: <laughs> okay so Liam's off on one should we talk about some Kingdom toys though what's the Air Razor toy like really good yeah really really good like it a lot um, yeah. is it
2: representative of the on screen model do you think
0: uh, yeah, for the most part again it's still slightly stylized a bit like uh, like all of them I think um, but it's you know it looks sort of there or thereabouts for me it's a really nice representation of the character as a whole I think they've kind of it's almost like that kind of it looks a bit like the old show a bit like the new show a bit like the original toy all kind of melded in if anything do you
1: know what they missed a the trick with it though because in the show she flies like Iron Man doesn't she with uh, you know like the little hand thrusters and the feet thrusters she, yeah, she moves like that, and it's mm. like this is these toy lines have all these blast effects, and they didn't mold the hands open or the feet with like peg holes. And you're like, yeah, that, that would have been, cool. been so perfect for that compatibility. It's a good
0: call, yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Missed, missed opportunity, there you go. Cool.
1: But no, it is a nice toy. I've got a nice the Skywarp as well from the Battle in Time set, which, yeah, is a kingdom toy line called battle in time where sideswipe turns into an Earth Lamborghini again so you know it doesn't quite fit but the the Skywarp's really nice like i got that tonight because we were talking about earlier and it, it's lovely
0: i think it's so uh mad that they're doing toys like that as well do you know what i mean that that homage um relatively niche beast wars characters i mean of course i was still thinking of it as silverbolt as soon as i saw you post that i was like oh it's silverbolt from Magnaboss, but of course yeah it's the japanese name but, uh, Skywalk. But, uh, you know, still, I think it's super niche that they're doing that. And I got to, it's got to be said, that whole War for Cybertron toy line, all credit to them, some of the stuff they've cooked up, it's just absolutely insane. It's like a collector's dream come true, really, isn't it? Every time there's a new reveal, it's like mm. some obscure character from however many years ago. So why doesn't Cyclonus appear in Studio Series 86? Why is he
2: positioned in the Kingdom toy line? Because... It doesn't really fit with the Kingdom aesthetic from what I can see. And, and it's is Studio Series. Yeah, and, and this is not just because of who the character is, but because of the, the way the toy is constructed and looks, just looks like it was destined for Studio Series eighty six. So what was the does anyone know what the thinking was to put it in Kingdom?
1: To me it just it feels almost like they were overflowing with these toys at the same time. Yeah? I don't know if it some of them feel like they would have just been in the generations line if that makes sense but then you look at a hot rod and a, and a grimlock and they don't feel like the same do they no. as those toys that you couldn't get that hot rod in that toy line so it's...
2: I don't think the cyclonus is the same either i think it's everything about it just says this is the best movie cyclonus we could possibly make
1: it does but then it's got like the the pegs like the random yeah, sure cod- Pegs for the rockets and stuff like that. Because I remember when the leaks were coming out, people were like, "Oh, it's a studio series," but like you could tell straight away because you can see those random pegs all over it that mm-hmm. are for those. it one on his so, chest, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and it's that throws it off from being those. And it, I don't know. There's just this idea because Galvatron is in Kingdom, obviously, like he's in the show,
2: but and that looks like. That's the thing. Galvatron does not look to me how a studio series Galvatron would look. No. He looks to me like the latest Generations version of Galvatron. And the same with the uh, Commander Rodimus Prime. That does not look like a movie Rodimus Prime attempt to me. It just looks like the best Rodimus Prime they can do in a Generations toy line. Which is why Cyclonus really stands out for me. Because
0: it doesn't feel that way. But his studio series is still Generations ultimately though, isn't it? It's all still part of the same hole don't,
1: don't say that the movie fans will come for you
0: it is though isn't it realistically it is it is, it, it is part of the same hole but i've but i felt like
2: decisions were made for those toys yeah which were movie uh movie inspired or the the waiting was more towards movie being the decision maker for design choices rather than generations and and that sort of thing if, if you know and, what and now of,
0: yeah i yeah, know i do and now of course you've got you know earthrise starscream being repackaged with a new hat for you know for studio series and stuff which Mm. is causing a lot of controversy isn't it um a lot of people a lot of people hate that um although what what did people really expect to be honest like not to sound you know on the nose or whatever but it totally makes sense to me do you know what i mean they've got a very successful toy people like it put some new stuff with it repackage it i don't know it makes sense to me you don't have to buy it but it's it's I can see why they've done that, you know, but I think, um, I just wonder if maybe they just view it as all part of the same thing realistically, but actually kind of putting the characters in one line or the other kind of encourages you to want to buy both. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Cause you, you must have people that are completionists, completists or whatever that are tearing their hair out with this stuff. Right. Cause if you want, if you want your complete studio series lineup, but you don't collect kingdom, well, what do you do? Do you know what I mean? Do you just ignore those toys like Cyclonus and Galvatron or do you go for them? It's, um, yeah.
2: That Cyclonus toy is is not possible to ignore. It it is a phenomenal toy. Like it, I I was saying how I thought Studio Series Hot Rod was my favorite toy of the year of the two or three modern toys that I buy. But I'm actually thinking in hindsight, because I, I sold my Cyclonus, and now I'm thinking well, I actually really missed that toy. And I think it was actually better because it I don't automatically reach for that Hot Rod to transform it now because I know it's a tiny bit of a faff to get it into car mode and everything lined up but that cyclonus toy I would reach for it time and time again and I'd look forward to transforming it constantly it was a remarkably good toy and it is just a phenomenal toy
0: i could honestly happily never transform studio series hot rod ever again at this point <laughs> you've had to do um, it a few times recently though oh man. that's why i
1: bought two <laughs> to save myself
0: yeah well it's just it's just my boy is currently is this current fascination absolutely loves that toy which is great that and earthrise optimus he can transform optimus no problem um so that's all good but hot rod is just for some reason he just has a little bit of difficulty with getting it into the car mode and then again like with the going back into the robot mode it's the spinning around and stuff of the chest that he's he's just a bit like what what is happening here so i've had to do it i mean in the last week alone Several dozen times, I don't know, but which I know it's like first world problems and all, do you know. What, I mean? <laughs> what a terrible problem for a Transformers collector! But I'm just kind of like, now I'm at the stage of like, hey, do you want do you want to look at this latest three zero effort or something like that? It doesn't transform, <laughs> you know? It's really fun. Let's have a look at that one, shall we? Uh, just because I'm like, please don't ask me to transform Studio Series Hot Rod again. I mean, I'm joking, really, because it's nice that he wants to, you know, get interested in them and all that. Of course, it's great, but. Yeah, I'm just kind of over over that transformation. There's something about that hot rod, though.
2: Um, My daughter took to it so much and it was the articulation of it and the way that she could make it so expressive that she absolutely loved. Um, It's a really tremendous toy on so many different levels. He he loves it.
0: He absolutely loves it, which is, yeah, it's a great toy.
1: The proportions on it are incredible. Like, it it doesn't have... At any point, you look at it and it feels like, you know, like a lot of Transformers, even when they've got good proportions, there's still a box in there somewhere and there are little bits that sort of hide stuff whereas this doesn't feel some like that some of compromise right? yeah yeah Whereas the the Rodimus Prime is really nice as well, just to get of
2: Well, it was nice to see that the on screen depiction of kingdom galvatron had feet that was good because <laughs> i think that's important for a robot and a general humanoid shaped
1: that looks so different to the kingdom toy as well though that's another one where the animation model Jeez, is not yeah. that toy in, and yeah. like he looks like really sort of stretched and different doesn't he it's not so he he nice, was very
0: stylized. stylized, very kind of um yeah, elongated and, and lanky almost. But um but it worked for me. I did other than the fact that he looked like he was wearing a uh, <laughs> a, a straw <laughs> ruff. A, uh, you know.
1: a straw bib. <laughs> yeah, weird. exactly.
0: Other than that, quite liked it. Unleash
1: the power of the animal kingdom. <laughs>
0: With new Transformers
1: Kingdom figures,
2: convert from beast to robot mode and rule the battle. Two epic worlds collide
0: with new Transformers Kingdom figures, each sold separately. Right, so of course, lots of discussion to be had on Kingdom. And, uh, you know, realistically speaking, you know, there's only so much that we can talk about in one episode. So if there are things that you think we've not covered today and would like to hear more about in the future, just let us know. Uh, But for today, what was the kind of final verdict then, gentlemen, on Transformers Kingdom? Did we like it? not like it what do you think
2: I liked it a lot more than I thought I would uh, but with obviously all the caveats that we've talked about so
0: I mean I I would watch it again I think okay that's good that's a good sign and it made me
2: want toys which is ultimately my entire existence with Transformers
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly job done I guess in a a very real way, that's a a metric of success for a Transformers show, isn't it? If it makes you want to buy the toys, then it's not, it can't be all that bad, can it? So, uh, Liam? I think coming out of Siege and Earthrise, I went into this with such low
1: expectations, where it was a rare time with a Transformers cartoon I wasn't actually looking forward to. There was a bit of like, oh, but I was going to, oh, always going to watch it, just to see if it was like a train wreck or anything. But, um, yeah, actually, I thought it was all right. And I, and I would actually, as far as to say, I enjoyed it. So um yeah, there was that. And I've got to shout out the guys on the the Transformers, the show podcast on YouTube, because they had me on. So Andy, Paul, JB, that other guy whose name I can't remember was that real messy desk. I think his name was Roddy Piper or something like that. Bonio. It, yeah, Bonio. But um, they asked, we were talking about it on there and it was the first day it came out and I was quite dismissive because I hadn't enjoyed it and... I gave it a four out of ten. And in hindsight, I regret that now, because I think it's definitely a solid five. At the worst, or maybe maybe a six. So I yeah. And in the end I enjoyed it because the Beast Wars cast really carry it and there's a lot of yeah. things to like in there.
0: I think it's a bit the same for me, to be honest. I was kinda like I went into it genuinely with a slight sense of dread, but curiosity to see and it was really just because it had the Beast Wars uh cast in it, I wanted to see it. And I I feel like it hugely benefited from that change in setting. Um my wife and I had watched all of Earthrise and Siege, uh well Siege and Earthrise I should say together. And she w- literally was just so tapped out by that point. Do you know what I mean? When it going into Kingdom. But actually I really enjoyed it. And I think on the whole, it's got major faults. It's not perfect by any means, but it's not bad, really. In in, in the grand scheme of Transformers Media there's been worse. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Let's say that. And of course, if there are things that we haven't mentioned today, just let us know on social media if you think there's anything that we've missed because it's by no means a comprehensive take on all the toy line and the cartoon and everything. Uh, But do let us know. We are on Twitter and Instagram as triple underscore takeover at triple underscore takeover. And we're on Facebook as well at just at Triple Takeover, just for a little bit of confusion there for you. We're also on Patreon at Triple Takeover as well. Uh, and if you do want to support the podcast, then you can. You can go to Patreon for all kinds of great perks. We've now got quite a few Patreons actually. We only launched it a couple of months ago, and it's doing really well, so that's very exciting. Lots of uh, hopefully happy patrons, as they're called. Uh, all kinds of great perks. You can get early access to episodes, so you get them a full, what is it, like five days early. Uh, like that, you yeah. get uh, yeah, you, you, in one of the higher tiers, you get what I think is the best perk of all. You get access to exclusive mini-sodes, which we record, uh, as frequently as we do the main episodes anyway. We do all kinds of little weird and wonderful topics. Uh, you get to vote on things, you, all kinds of great stuff, outtakes, loads of it. Absolutely brilliant. So do get yourself signed up on there. If you want more of us talking, <laughs> if you can handle such a thing, then check out our Patreon at Triple Takeover. And Maz, we've got a bit of a, a shout-out, don't we, for some of the old butlers, Sixo's butlers?
2: Yeah, for anyone who uh, signs up as a Sixo's butler tier patron, uh, we do a shout-out on the show. So I want to thank Nick, Jonathan FalseLogic Howard, Dean Watts, Danny Roberts, Chris C 137 Andy, Cannon, Preston, Brian Fox, Chris, Billy Ho, Spiderfather, Adam Shoemaker, Zachary Blader, and Timu Toivonen. So you can see there's quite a few people who reckon it's worth it. And don't forget guys, if you are in the Six O's Butler tier, check your Patreon messages because we have gotten in touch asking you to give us some ideas for what sodes you'd like. So we, we do Minnesota commissions and we do episodes that we want to cover as well. So that's a, that's a major perk. And if you want us to thank you on the show in a different way than we have, again, just get in touch and let us know how you'd like to be thanked.
0: There's something immensely satisfying about hearing you reading off that list of names. I don't know what it is, but every time you do it, I just take a, a slight bit of delight in it. I don't know why. So,
2: well, we've got we've got one six O's butler who keeps signing up and then deleting every time it gets to time to pay. What a, uh, what a I'd a be prat. really happy if that person needs. Yeah, banning. if Pratt doesn't come back, I'd be really happy. Calls himself six O as well. Can you imagine the cheek? <laughs>
0: I was wondering if you were going to out oh. me. It's just because there's no way of <laughs> testing some of the functionality. It's so annoying. It's, pat- yeah, it's Patreon. Anyway, it's my personal grumble. Do how goes off? Is it this alert telling me that you've signed back up? I know, honestly. Even bloody got charged for it this month, didn't I? I forgot to delete it before the end of the month. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. All in all, in the purpose of making it good. That's the idea. Uh, final shout out for us today. Very important one is TF Source again, because of course they are helping us to keep the podcast going. Uh, by sponsoring the whole thing so thank you very very much to them do check out tfsource.com for all your transformers and third party needs plenty of kingdom toys on there as i already mentioned so thank you to them otherwise lads where can they find you
1: i'm on instagram facebook twitter all those things at toybot soapbox
0: i'm on
2: facebook instagram and twitter at Square one
0: and i'm on twitter facebook instagram and youtube at 60tf that's it from us today thank you very much for listening and have a good one
2: Excuse me, excuse me, we've just had Bonio and Juliet, where did that come from?